Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Amen. Thank you. Can everybody hear me okay? All right. I wanted to make sure, you know, uh, I haven't been back in a, in a while, but uh, it's, it's so good to be here with everyone. I'm going to tell you something. I mean, you guys completely threw me off. I know you guys are probably used to all this. You know, the spirit falling and, you know, just the overwhelming presence and worship and stuff. But I, I was completely overwhelmed and I just couldn't, couldn't believe it, you know. So you guys have blessed me more just as I start to speak and share with you the word of God today. Uh, I was just overwhelmed. So I wanted to just tell you guys, don't, don't get desensitized about the Holy Spirit, you know. Because the Spirit of God is working. Um, as you guys know the scripture, it says where, what, one or more are gathered? Is it? <laughs> no, it's two or more are gathered. He is there with us. And you know, you guys have to remember that as believers in Christ, is that we have to stir up our faith and our relationship with God daily. You know, each and every day, just as she said earlier, this is the day the Lord has made, we should rejoice. It's Bright and sunny, it might be hot, but the point being, we should be continually just basking in the Holy Spirit at all times. And you know, a lot of times He's healing us, He's changing us, He's moving around in our lives because He's rearranging the space in our heart. You know, He's changing those areas in our heart where we need ministry. So that way He can purge. And the dross removed, and, you know, we're refined as gold. So <laughs> so I, I just want to encourage you when we start this morning. Um, my wife is here with our four kids. Uh, our number one, I, I, you know, after you have like three or four, you start just using numbers. <laughs> so I just do that. I just do numbers now, you know. <laughs> but, you know, Kezi, our oldest, she's born here at Virginia Baptist. You know, we grew up, she grew up here. Uh, we were here from 2002 or 2003 all the way to 2012, 13. So we just recently, we, we kind of made a trip around the world, went to Salt Lake City, went to Connecticut, <laughs> and now we're actually settled just two hours from you guys, actually right here in Raleigh, like just south of you guys. So it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what he keeps telling me. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> But, you know, it's the Lord that makes those determinations. But, yeah, my oldest is here. She's 17. I have a, a 10-year-old, a, an 8-year-old, and a, and a 7-year-old. And, you know, as we were driving, you know, a lot of times I joke with my oldest daughter because she's, you know, she's got these, you got, some of the younger people probably know the words they use now, you know. You know, I, I gave her a lot of cap. I don't, I don't know what that is, you know. I'm not sure what that is. You know, you, you guys probably know what cap is, you know. But uh, more recently, a friend of mine, actually, um, it was a funny story. We were at their house eating dinner. And, <laughs> you know, we're like, all right, you got cap. We're like, we don't know what that is, you know. So I'm like, okay. So we came up with our own word. And on our drive here, she was, you know, giving everybody smoke. I just made that word. <laughs> I'm like, what is smoke? You know, we just made it up. But it was great, you know. We just, we just... You know, language nowadays is, is changing. You know, it's transitioning. A lot of kids, you know, they're just social media. They're just engrossed. The new generation where we have, you know, it's, 
It's a lot of that, you know. But I do like my daughter. She sometimes will say, slay, dad, slay. You know, and I'm like, all right, good. I'm, I'm doing something. Okay, she likes, you know, that's good. So, but, you know, we do immortalize a lot of people in society today, social media. Uh, many of us are fans. You know, we look up to people. We're always enthroning them, you know. We want to go to concerts, movies, media, entertainment. You know, we're into that, you know. And sometimes we put people on such a high platform that we don't realize that they're just everyday regular people just like us. You know, they're not any better. Maybe they stepped into riches, fame, or glory. But, you know, most of the stories we hear on social media is death, suicide, depression, anxiety, and a lot of our media is geared towards that. It's geared towards moving us in a direction where we're getting more of it, but at the same time, we're also moving into a, this, this place, you know, where society is overly agitated. It's on edge, you know? You guys see that in, in media. And the media, what do they do? You know, they, they will further engross and inflame you know, the generations. And, you know, a lot of the generations, they think they're being active, you know, in society, social justice. But at the end of the day, there's still broken people that need God. And so the point is, like, how do we touch them? You know, how do we touch people in relationships? How do we get a handle on the younger, you know, the younger age, and, and even younger than Kezia? You know, they're very tech savvy as we know you know they they grew up with tablets and phones you know even our middle daughters you know they want to they want their own phones and we have to be careful you know on how far we let that go because you know it's only a few steps away from total you know and you guys know like for example with cell phones nowadays you guys know cell phones are great because we have access to the Word of God at all times, right? You have hundreds of different translations, right? Okay? But what about the other part of cell phones? We don't control the access of information that our kids are getting. Even what we open ourselves up to, there's no filters there. Are we limiting ourselves as believers in Christ? Or are we fully opening the channels for them to come in and change us. And a lot of that has changed us, you know. We're in a society where it's all about the self-image, you know, just focusing in on ourselves. And what does that do when we focus in on ourselves? Do we, do we minister to others? No, we actually step away from others. We get more and more isolated. There's depression, anxiety, suicide. Even just last year, just this past year, uh, and actually during COVID as well, I was looking at some of the most famous pastors around the, around the United States, you know, and they have a wife, check, you know, they have kids, check, they have a big church, check, you know, they have all the things you would think. They have a great social media presence on t- online, you know, check. And what does the husband do? He actually ended up committing suicide as a pastor. What a sad and it's, it's so sad to just see pastors that are being successful on the outside, but inside they're hurting. You know, they're, they're in pain. 
And we, we, we don't really know what they're hurting from. Is it something in their past? Is it sin? You know, what is it? What is it that's hurting them? But we do know that Jesus Christ does have the power and the, the spirit he gives us. Do you see that? He's able to change us from the inside out. So I want to tell you guys something. Who is the central figure of all creation? Jesus Christ is the hero of this story. He is the hero of my story and your story and everyone's story, isn't he? He's the one that's calling us into his presence so that we would be changed and purged of our sin, our life. And we would be totally flipped, turned upside down. And then we enter into this upside down kingdom, right? This kingdom that's not part of this world. It's totally different from this kingdom. It goes against the ebb and flow of it. It totally changes. I mean, it totally turns everything upside down. And we can see that in society as well. When we see, when we see different gods, when we see different belief systems with Islam and Hinduism, and, and now we have, I mean, there's a lot of isms I can name. You, know, you guys know them all, but, you know, what is happening with all those gods that people are worshiping? They're looking, they're seeking for something to change them, but they continue to miss the answer, the true answer, which is Jesus Christ. So life actually does give us a lot of difficulty. There's a lot of broken relationships. You guys pretty have it pretty tough in your families, right? I know I do. You know, we have a teenager, you know. No, I'm just kidding. But she's actually, you know, to tell you the truth, she's actually great. She's, she's really not, not anything that, I, you know, the teenagers that we dealt with in the past, <laughs> you know, we have some teenagers here that can attest to that past. You know, we used to deal with a lot of that in youth group and stuff. So, but, you know, life is giving us a lot of difficulty. We have broken relationships within our own families, right? We have. I even remember when I was younger, I would think and look at divorced people and abusive people and all these different kinds of people that were broken. And I said to myself, oh, my family's never going to be in that. You know, so I don't have to worry. My brothers, my sister, I don't have to worry about any of that, you know. And we walked into, I'm in that part now in my life where I see that there's brokenness in life and in relationships. All the way through. And we have to see that through the filter of Christ and the Holy Spirit, we actually have to start seeing people as he sees them. You see that? Like how many times have we sinned against God and he has forgiven us? But have we become desensitized because we're stuck in sin and we think, Oh, he's, he's done forgiving me. I've been doing this for years. So he's, he's done with me. But the truth of the matter is, is that God is not done with you. He's such a good and patient God that he's willing, each and every situation with your families, each and every circumstance, he's willing to go with you step by step and lead you through those things, through those broken relationships. You know, God is so good, he'll wait 10 years, 15 years, just to change one little thing in your life. 
so that he can refine your character. He doesn't mind. He has, he's outside of time. You know, we're, 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 we, we as believers and as humans, think, imagine this. It's a straight line going from point A to point B. Okay? The beginning and the end, right? Or the end and the beginning here. But if you look at that line, Jesus Christ is the one that stands outside of that line. We're inexorably moving towards a closure in human history. You can see that. But God is outside of time, you know. He controls and authors all these things so that the central figure, the central hero of all creation, the one in in whom everything holds together, comes together for him, to glorify him. Do you guys believe that? I mean, do you really believe Jesus is the central figure of all humanity, of all human history? I mean, greater than any man, woman, child, anybody that you can think of today or in the past. He made such an impact, and do you think he's ready to make that impact again? He is. He's ready to come back very soon. And the question is, are you guys ready for that? Are you ready for that time? So where do we find our answers from Jesus Christ? We find those in the Word of God. You guys know that, okay? So let's read from the book of Proverbs. This is in chapter 3. I wanted to give you some wisdom. Not that I have any wisdom of my own that I can share, but the Word of God is eternal. It's, it's able to give us life. Okay, so Proverbs 3, my son, verse 11, I'm sorry, in Proverbs 3. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the, love, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the Father, the Son, in whom he delights. Now, you know the book of Proverbs is a collection of sayings of King Solomon, the wisest person actually that ever lived. You guys know, obviously, other than Jesus Christ, we know that. But Proverbs is a book of short sayings that teach us how to deal with practical, everyday, ordinary issues of life. Do you guys have issues practically, financial, relational? Do you guys turn to the book of Proverbs as something that might give you life? You know, the truth of the matter is, a lot of times we'll read the Gospels. We might read Revelation sometimes. (laughs) Can be, it can be very, uh, you know, <laughs> end timesy. <laughs> but, you know, we, we'll read those books. We'll, we, might, we might read Peter, James is a very popular book. We read the Gospels. But, you know, have you guys actually tried to apply what you see in the Gospels? It's, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, you're not walking around near rivers and you got the Pharisees out here, you know, you know messing your whole sermons up, you know. You got a, a, a political leader walking by, and you know John the Baptist is going after him, just going crazy. You need to stop having an affair. You know, he's going, he's going wild, you know. You guys don't have that, and neither do I. But we do have the book of Proverbs. We can take one chapter a day for every month, because it has 31 chapters. Each and every day, you guys can get wisdom to have life come to you for finances, discipline, relationships, in each and every way you have answers in the book of Proverbs to give you those nuggets so that you can apply them in your life. 
So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to turn to the book of Proverbs. And it's actually the word of God, isn't it? You guys believe that? It's the word of God itself. So we know the book of Proverbs, and most Christians, even though they don't know how to use the word of God, we know, the, we know that you can turn to Proverbs and get wisdom from it. So if you guys know, even in the New Testament, when Jesus was talking about the law, where was he getting the word of God from? He was getting it from the Old Testament. Okay? So even when Jesus sums the whole of the law into two commandments. Do you guys know what those commandments are, by the way? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, with your whole being. And what's the other one? Love neighbor as yourself. But you guys remember in John 13, he actually gave a new commandment to his disciples. To love others as I have loved you. So how are we to love each other in relationships? In family issues, how are we supposed to love one another? We're supposed to love each other sacrificially, having grace, seasoned with salt. We should speak our words, you know, not cutting, you know, people with sharp, quick answers. You know, maybe, maybe hold back the tide, you know, that's coming from within you, you know. <laughs> Just hold it back a little bit. But listen to Jeremiah 18. Uh, We're going to go there, uh, verse 18. It's very easy to remember. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. These are vital things that we can get from the word of God. We have the book of the law, the Old Testament. We have the prophets, including Jeremiah. And then we also have the book of Proverbs, along with the gospels and the epistles and end time you know, letters that are written. So in Christianity today, we are concerned about doctrines. You know, again, let's go back. We, we kind of lift up on pedestals these men and women that are teaching us doctrines, teaching us about the Word of God. And we lift them up and we hold them up. But we don't realize they are broken people just like us. I mean, we do believe that, but in the back of our mind, we're like, Oh, this is a great man of God. You know, great woman of God. Is that how we should be viewing each other? Is, are we all great men and women of God? You know, the truth is we are not. We are all broken. We are a step away from our total life change. It can be the end of our life or it could be killing somebody or hurting somebody or doing something. We are like hanging by a thread, a very thin thread. It can turn in an instant. We've seen stories all over the Internet, a lot, about people that have just flipped. You know? We're on that edge, and the Word of God is the only thing that's able to separate us from going into total depravity. Now, Solomon is the one who wrote... The book of Proverbs, he actually wrote it to his son Rehoboam. So in Proverbs 1, verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. And I'm going to jump around, and please forgive me for that. But if you're good, you can keep, (laughs) you guys did your Bible drills, you know, so you got to be ready. (laughs) 
So Proverbs 1, verse 1, and then we jump down to verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. We do know that Solomon came from a very dysfunctional home. You guys know that, right? David, David was his father, actually. But you remember the early life of David, don't you? Has anybody read from the Old Testament? <laughs> if you guys are believers in Christ, when was the last time you guys went through the entire Bible? Cover to cover. You know? There's actually a great Pew Research uh, article out, which I read on the website. And it says that most Christians, over 68% of them, have not even read the Bible and from cover to cover in the last five years. They have not renewed. They have not replenished, refilled. You know, sometimes we go to the Word of God daily. We'll just grab a little nugget here, nugget here, and we just go to, you know, like Chick-fil-A, you know. Dip it in a little sauce and then eat it. You know, oh, this is good, okay. Maybe it gets us through the day. But the truth is, is it moving us inexorably towards standing before the King of Kings? You know, I, I, I'm in constant fear and trembling in my life because I, I just, am I saved? And Lord, if I am saved, Lord, please change me. Lord, forgive me. Because I am a broken man that needs God in his life. I, I really can't do it without him. I'm so desperate all the time. In my mind, daily, in and out, I'm going. Thinking about the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to speak to? We, we need to be in that place where we are broken before the Lord daily. And so we see King David... And you guys can probably relate just as much as I can to the life of David. You know, he actually went up to King Saul the first time in his life. And King Saul looked at him, oh, look at this guy. He's a rugged little kid. You know, he's a little child. Okay, all right. Well, go ahead and put on my armor. He gives him his armor. And he just falls into the armor, essentially. You know, King David, who was just anointed king but was not the king, Served under Saul, and he said, no, this, this armor is too big for me. It's going to restrain my movements. He was used to being out in the, in the field, you know, the youngest of his brothers. So what would he do? You guys know what he did. He slew the giant. We know that. Okay, but after his life, what did he, after that, that moment of high, he was accepted by King Saul, so much so that King Saul actually gave his daughter, Michal, to David. But uh, let, me, let me throw in a little, little problem, a little conundrum for David. King Saul was jealous. I mean, think about it. He, he, he just slew this giant. The whole army of Israel could not do a thing against them. They were intimidated. They had no choice. Okay? So when King David, or David, slays the giant, King Saul... He's like, all right, all right, I have to give him something because he, he's pretty strong. So he gives him his wife, Michal, his daughter. But then later on, he takes her from him. He just takes her and gives him to another man. I mean, what, what is going on? There's some, that's a lot, that's messed up. I mean, he's supposed to be the father-in-law, right? I mean, think about it. That, that's messed up. You, 
I mean, I don't, I'd be pretty mad if that happened with my wife, you know. <laughs> you know, but I'd be fighting. I'd be fighting for her, you know. Been married 20 years, you know. She's not going anywhere. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's what happened. There's so much dysfunction. And then we see King David actually had eight wives. He had probably hundreds of concubines. Are you guys okay with that? I mean, this is, this is the man, you know, we see as the man after God's own heart. Are you seeing that? I mean, look at, look at this guy. He's, he goes around, doesn't he? <laughs> He's actually a military man, too. He's a very strategic thinker. You know, he was pretty strong, right? Because he, what, ripped open bears, mouths, you know, lions, just ripping them open. You know, so he's pretty strong, too. But he carries with him a lot of dysfunction as a human, doesn't he? He's got a lot of issues. So much so that he has a a problem with Nabal in the fields. And then God actually kills Nabal. And so what does he do? He actually marries his wife, Abigail, because she was probably pretty gorgeous, you know. (laughs) He was attracted to her, you know. And I can see that in the text where we see him interacting when Abigail brings him food, you know. He's out there alone by himself. So he has this relationship he's moving into with Abigail. He already is married to Michal at the same time. And then he has other wives too. You know, I don't, I, I don't want to mention the B word, you know, but you guys know who that is, Bathsheba. She gets a bad rep, but you know the truth is, what did she do? You know, she was in, 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 the, in the company of Israel, but it's not like she had a choice walking into you know, that relationship is kind of forced into it, right? Yeah, so there's more dysfunction. What does God do in response to that dysfunction? He takes the child because he does not want to bring that child in this way. So the Lord, I mean, even though David fasted and prayed to the Lord, he actually took the child from him. More dysfunction comes. Their child died after birth because of David's sin. And then he had four more children, and Solomon was one of those. He actually had five more wives after that, not counting the concubines. So altogether, he had 21 children that we know about (laughs) by his wives. And he probably had other children, too, through his concubines. Okay? He He couldn't go to, you know, somewhere and just get rid of children, you know. Just the family kept growing. So the same man who killed Goliath as a teenager is the same man who wrote Psalm 23, called a man after God's own heart. Later in life, he failed to discipline his children as they got into their own sins. These are older children now, his son Amnon, who actually committed a heinous act of rape with his sister Tamar. David was very angry about that, wasn't he? But he failed to do something about it. He failed to move and discipline his son and correct him. So what, it, what, what happened to that justice from the Lord? Where, where did that go, you know, of the sin? It's in the Old Testament, the law. It says if, if a woman is raped, uh, you know, you guys can correct me. <laughs> But, you know, there's supposed to be some correction from the Lord about this man, you know, that commits this heinous act within the confines of Israel as a nation. But 
David did nothing. So what did what did David's son do? Absalom. It's a great name. He actually killed him with his own hands. Two years later, and David still didn't do anything. He continued to have this dysfunction in his family through no correction, no change. I mean, think about it, guys. You you guys have families. You guys have relationships. How much dysfunction are we walking in? And we don't properly apply the word of God. We go to therapy. We'll go to different people to talk to them about what we can do. But sometimes it's just simple. We can go to the word of God and let the spirit of God lead us. And we don't. So even later on, when Absalom decided to usurp the throne, he ended up dying. And David was complacent again when Adonijah tried to usurp his throne as well. David didn't do anything. This is a function that we see in David's life, this perpetual just standing back, you know, and letting things happen. A lot of dysfunction in the family. And, you know, a lot of times we do need therapy, and sometimes we deny getting therapy, getting help. You know, maybe we should do those things. But we're like, nah, we can handle it. Nah, I'm good, you know. We got our own strength we can lean on, you know. I don't know about you guys, but there's sometimes my strength runs out. And then what do I have? I have nothing. So I end up on my knees, you know, before the Lord. And what, what ends up happening? You know, I'm desperate. I have no answers. I can't conjure up anything through my finances, through my life, relations, anything. I can't call on anybody to rescue me. Who's going to rescue me at that point? It's the Lord. Nobody but Jesus Christ that can rescue me. And he has. There's been many times in my life through my dysfunction, I had to rely on Jesus to take me through. And we see that in David's life, actually. He said, after the sin with Bathsheba, he said, you and you alone have I sinned against, even though he had sinned against several others. You know? God had to send the prophet to him, Nathan, (laughs) to change his life, you know? And what did Nathan say? You are that man, David. It's you. You. And he was cut at that point. Cut to the heart. And he had to go into repentance. But still, he still didn't do anything with his relationships. But I know you guys are growing up. You know, we're all growing up in dysfunction all around us. You know, the only solace we have is that we can go to the cross. We can go to Christ daily. And replenish and refresh. Listen again to Proverbs uh, chapter 1 verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of your father. And do not forsake the law of your mother. Proverbs 3 verse 12. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects just as a father. The son in whom he delights. Proverbs 10 verse 1. A wise son makes... A glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. We're going to keep going. Proverbs 23, jump a few chapters there. And we're in uh, verse 22. Listen to the father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. By the way, we all know the Ten Commandments. 
The fifth one, actually, in Exodus 20, verse 12, it says to honor your father and mother so that the days, your days may be prolonged on the land which the Lord your God gives you. This is the only commandment, actually, with a promise. God says, honor your father and mother because it pleases him. Why is that so important? Um, I want to read you guys an excerpt. Rabbi Daniel Lapin uh, wrote in his book, it's called Thou Shalt Prosper. It's not surprising that the Jewish culture, the Jewish culture actually has relationships. The highest rung of the ladder in those relationships is the relationship between a husband and wife and the father and mother. It's held to the highest esteem because it, it's surrounded by the fifth commandment. It, rela- it actually is a science of human relationships. When someone does not have a good relationship with their parents, it's inevitably impacting their relationships with others. You guys can see that all around. We all have people that have disowned their parents. They've just cast them out. They might, might not even spend time with them as they're getting older. They're not honoring their father and mother. And we see the dysfunction in their relationships across the board with marriages and relationships. Psalm 51, verse 16. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it to you. You do not delight in burnt offerings. You know, the, truth, the key word there is delight. That's what we're looking for. Here David confesses that God, to God his sin of adultery and acknowledges to God that he cannot pacify him with burnt offerings. So he goes on to say in verse 17, the sacrifices, the sacrifices of God are broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Why? Because God is the one that looks at your heart. He's not concerned about you coming in here and putting on your best self and giving, you know, a presentation of smiles and handshakes and hugs. You know, he, he's not concerned about that. He's looking at your heart. What's really going on underneath? You know, what is really happening in there? Are you depressed? Are you anxious? Are you angry at somebody? You know, how quickly do we turn church off? I'm talking, guys, whenever I'm talking, just so you know, I'm just talking about me. So you're getting some, some secrets, you know. But, you know, how many times do we turn church off and then go outside and start driving? And then get angry at somebody. They cut us off, you know. You know, road rage, you know. I get that a lot, you know. So, so, you know, well, keep me in prayer, okay? You, you guys know I'm broken. All right, I already admitted that to you, okay? I confess. All right, I'm broken. I know. But just pray for me, you know. Keep me in prayer. <laughs> but, you know, as you can see, the word delight, it actually has a range of meanings. Because God is looking to be satisfied with you and he's looking at your heart so in the context of grandchildren and children the family that we have the loved ones it might not be something that we're fond of necessarily but you can still accept them favorably show them mercy a lot of times we know that our our place our homes are supposed to be a place of solace a place we can go and have peace you know a place we can walk in and it's a calm place, you know. 
where people can come in and kind of rest and rejuvenate. We do that a lot, my wife and I. We'll have people over, and when they come in, they just kind of throw stuff, just relax. You know, they feet up on the couch. You know, they're just, they're just happy. You know, they're relaxed. You know, it's the atmosphere that we present them, so that way we can minister to them. You know, because out there in the world, we are dealing with a lot of stresses, work, relationships, and we need a place to go. And our home should be a place where people can find rest. But the Spirit of God should be moving through us. You know, it should be, that's a place where God should be delighting in us. So, our family homes are that place. Sometimes in our relationships, parents, we as parents, walk in forgiveness. We should be walking in forgiveness and delight in our relationships. That's where we should be. A lot of times, and I've had this happen in my life, had a hard day at work, you know, working 5 a.m., leaving the house, you know, coming home 6 p.m., you know, just getting home, you know, 12-hour shift or whatever, you know. You don't really have time. Let's eat real quick and got to get ready for the next day. You know, it's like that cycle. We go through time really quick, you know. We're moving through time fast. We don't see our end is near. Even recently, I was just going to my workplace, and and, um, I heard that my director, he was on his way home in his Tesla, you know, probably one of the safest cars you can buy. I'm not a fan of electric, by the way. But, you know, in his Tesla, he got into an accident and died. He left his wife and two children. You know, here he was just going home. He made a phone call to his family, just had a meeting at work. And here, immediately, life is over. And what did that do? That hole is left in that family. Dysfunction. How are the kids going to handle that? You know, there's a lot of that brokenness in life that we're dealing with. And a lot of times we're not going to the Word of God, but we do go to our cell phones. We go ahead and spend time in, you know, social media, scrolling. There's a lot of up, and I'm not going to go left or right. I don't believe in that one, you know. But you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But, yeah, there's a lot of scrolling, you know, looking for the next thing, you know. And we just waste minutes. They turn into hours, you know. And many times we're missing that we should be spending that time with the Lord because he delights in us, doesn't he? He delights in us, even through brokenness. I mean, look at King David. You guys, the only thing you can take away, now look at this. I said this earlier. God will spend 10, 15, 20 years of your life letting you go through the cycles. You guys remember the children of Israel? How many years did they go around in circles when they could have just walked right into the promised land? He was going to walk them in by hand. I mean, fire by night. Keep them warm. They don't need AC, you know. A cloud cover by day. Keep it cool all day. Shoes don't wear out. My shoes are getting worn standing here, you know. I mean, think about it. He's sustaining them right now. He's sustaining them and taking them by hand. And we, they, they couldn't. They just went around in circles because of disobedience. Dysfunction. Same thing with you. Same thing with me. Are we just circling around our problems? 
and not dealing with them at the cross? Is Jesus the central heroic hero, the, the one figure in our life? Or is he just one of many? <laughs> one of many gods. He's standing here left to right. They're all here, guys. You guys can choose one or choose them all. Coexist. So as we come to a close, I do want to take a few minutes and focus in on Jesus Christ, the ideal son. He pleased his father every step of the way. In Isaiah 42, verse 1, and actually I'm going to read to you a lot of the chapter of 42 because it's, it's very significant. Here's my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow weak or discouraged. Before he has established justice on the earth, in his law the islands will put their hope. This is what the God, the Lord, says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth, and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it and life to those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you for a righteous purpose, and I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring prisoners out of the dungeon, and those sitting in darkness out of prison, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. Behold, the former things have happened, and now I declare new things. Before they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. Praise be to God. Thank you for his word. Matthew 3. Verse 16, when he had baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from the heavens, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And again, Matthew 17, verse 5, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Then suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. As we close, guys, I do want to bring it back to the central figure, the cross, the hero of this story, Jesus Christ. You know, because we can go to therapy, we can get help from friends and family. But it starts at the cross. We have to be first found humbled and broken before the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. That's where it all begins. Your story of renewal, of change, if you guys haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, or 
if you have accepted him but have walked away from him, this is the opportunity now to be broken before him. Because, guys, he's not looking at us on the outside. He's looking at your heart. It's your heart that he's going to look at to see where he can come in. And even as the worship team was singing that song, who can compare? You know, who can give us the answers? As Peter, James, and John, the disciples, were walking and talking with Jesus, and he said, you must drink my, flesh, or drink my blood and eat my flesh. They walked away from him. And then Jesus turned to the disciples and he said, do you want to walk away too? And here the disciples said and looked around and said, Lord, where else can we go? Where else can we go? You alone have the words of life. It's life that's changing. It's life that's eternal. But I will tell you, you guys have to work out that life with Christ daily. It's not a one acceptance and done. Now you can go about being secular. Okay? Going to a secular workplace, being secular. Like the rest of everybody else in society. We have to be different. But it starts at the cross. If you guys have not accepted Christ, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of your renewal and your awakening. If you have accepted Christ, maybe it's a time for you to sink back. Get more of those nuggets and maybe get a whole meal. You know? But get that meal with Christ. Abide with him. Fellowship with him. What, is the, what does he say? So we can sup together in our hearts. And I'm using the old English. <laughs> sup, you know. <laughs> I have actually a friend that actually uses that a lot. He uses a King James version of the Bible. And, you know, there is something about that. You know, the word of God. It's just sometimes you need to go back, you know, to that 1611, you know, <laughs> the King James. But guys, let's, let's pray as we close. I want to provide an opportunity. And if maybe the worship team or somebody. Yeah, Brian, maybe uh, if you want to, uh, somebody, whoever. <laughs> if you guys want to come up, I want to give an opportunity uh, for the cross. Let's all stand. Let's all stand and let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you guys need prayer. We have prayer available on the right and the left. If you guys need prayer, Elder Sam is here. Stella's here. Okay? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, King of glory, even as we're praying, who is this King of glory? Even as we're worshiping, the Lord, strong, almighty, You are that King, Lord. You are the one that holds the universe together through which all things come to be. You are the Creator, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Lord, I can see you as the Word says in Revelation. See you among the lampstands, Lord. Your eyes are like fire. Your hair is white as wool, Lord Jesus. And Lord, even as other scriptures say, there's a storm around your throne, Lord. The majesty of angels and beings that we can't even comprehend. 
24 hours a day. They're not saying, you are, you are amazing, you're the best. No, they're going holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty. They don't get tired of saying that. They're perpetually renewed in your presence. These created beings, Lord, but they're not anything compared to you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that your word is true. Thank you that your word is the one that changes us. It molds us. We thank you that we can walk in renewal, Lord. Just as your word said, do not be conformed in Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Lord, help us, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Lord. Thank you for your death, Lord. Thank you for your burial. Thank you for your resurrection. The only death in history that matters, Lord. The only burial in history that matters. The only resurrection that ever happened, Lord. Lord, you said, I am the resurrection and the life. We thank you, Lord, that we can come and be resurrected, Lord, and change. So if you guys need prayer, come. Come kneel. Come pray. Come be prayed for. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Yes, if you need prayer, everybody knows somebody is in a dysfunctional situation, whether it's in your own home, your own life, or somebody else. These people up here pray for you and pray with you. Please, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, don't leave this place while getting to know him as Lord of your life. Okay? We want to thank you. We want to thank the visitors for coming. Uh, those who come twice, we thank you. God bless you. Let me end for blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace today. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net. Or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.